You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Philippians chapter 2. How many of you were here on Friday? We were talking about the redemption plan. And in that redemption plan, God gave us a word at the beginning of the year that we need to trust Him to enhance, to eliminate, and to expand. And meditating on the redemption account, I realized that's exactly what God built into it. Hallelujah. And so on Friday, we had a look at the the fact that God had an amazing plan for His creation. And then we had a problem arise, but He already had a solution. Hallelujah. Remember the plan was that God had created man in His image to walk exactly as He walked, to be in dominion and to have dominion over all of creation. And He placed that in man and crowned him with glory. Hallelujah. And then in that, the enemy entered in and he came and attacked that. And they put a question mark on, did God really say if God meant that? Is it maybe that he's trying to keep something away from you? And so the problem entered in and Adam fell to that. Remember, the woman was deceived, the man was not. And he was right there with Eve. And in that deception, when the word was twisted, he didn't stand up for the word. He didn't walk in that word. And the Bible says, if you don't hear the word and you don't, if you hear the word and don't do it, you deceive yourself. And so in that place, he dropped what God had given, took up death itself, and he died in that day. And the whole of creation was lost to the enemy. But God had a solution. God already had a plan in place to get the plan back into action. A plan for the plan. Hallelujah. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14, he said, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go, you shall eat the dust of days, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and God prophesies, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You shall bruise his head and you shall bruise his heel. What's God saying? The very thing when the Savior comes, when the Deliverer comes, you will try and take him out. But the thing you use to take him out, he's going to use to destroy you. Hallelujah. And we know that Jesus on the day of Passover was crucified on the cross. And he died on that cross, a cruel and a terrible death. And in that dying, the Bible says, had the prince of this world known, he would never have crucified Jesus. Why? Because the victory was written in a mystery so that the enemy could not see the victory that was coming on Sunday. And Jesus died and he, the word declared and he even said it before he went to the cross that if a seed does not die, it abides alone. But if it falls in the ground and dies, it will produce a great harvest. And he was talking about his death and resurrection. See, it wasn't just the death of Jesus that paid for the price. In the death, he paid the full price, but it was in the resurrection that we see the victory. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're talking about this weekend. So we've seen the, 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 the plan. We saw that the problem came in. And then we saw 
the solution. And in that solution, what was the original plan was that man would have dominion. And God being a God of integrity, we've been having a look at the integrity of the Word of God. That when God puts something into place, He doesn't back down and say, oh, that was a mistake. When He handed all of creation over to man, man had to take authority. Man had to stand in dominion. Otherwise, if you think about it, God being omnipresent, God being omniscient, when that man was busy being deceived, at that moment, God could have stepped right between devil and man and said, <laughs> now listen, let me introduce you. This is the devil and this is what he does. Did he do that? No. Why? Because he had handed earth over to man. And so the moment man sinned and gave that to the devil, God had to stand back and watch it happening. He had to let it happen. But you notice what he said. He said, the only way we get this, how many of you know that God being all powerful at that moment could have right there stepped in and said, Mr. Devil, how dare you take my man down? And he could have blown him clean off the planet and assigned him another one somewhere out on the other side of the universe. Isn't that right? He could have banished him from the planet. Why didn't God do that? Because he had already handed the man over had already handed creation over to the man. And so if God did that, if he banished the devil and got him out of the earth, that man was still dead and God had no access to him. God couldn't stop and say, well, let me just kill this man and make a new one. Because now the earth belonged to the enemy. The Bible calls the devil the God of this world. So in him having taken authority, God had delegated authority that whoever has the authority has dominion in the earth. And Satan usurped that. He took that and through high treason, Adam handed that authority to the devil. That's why when the devil came and tempted Jesus, you will see it just now, where he said, if you bow down and worship me, all this has been given to me. Jesus didn't refute that. Excuse me, it all belongs to God. No, no, it was a valid temptation because who gave it to him? Adam. So God had no more place by his own authority. See, this is something that people misunderstand is we so often, you know, well, God is God and he's on all authority and he's supreme and he's, and he's sovereign. Yes, he is, but he still obeys his word. Uh, I don't know how many of you have ever rented a place. You've ever, you know what a rent means. It means that you give someone else money to live in their house. Isn't that right? Someone else owns the property. I know you talk about, let's go to my house, but you know you're paying rent. <laughs> Technically, it's not your house. Uh, you can prove that. Just try to break it down and build another one there. Uh, it's not going to happen. So that house belongs to someone else. Isn't that right? And so... If you came to me and, and you want to rent one of my properties, well, I could take you to the house. I got the key. I'll open it up. I'll go in. Why? Because it's my house. Isn't that right? We'll sit down in the, in, in the, in the kitchen and we'll talk through the contract and you say, yes, I'd like to do it. And, and so we sign the contract. This is now your house. We agree to the terms. And this now, I'm telling you, this is your house. This is the way the electricity box, this is how you clean the pool, this is how you look after. And I explain how uh, the house should be looked after. And you agree to all of that. And so we sign the contract. 
and then you give me your first month's deposit and I'll take you there for your first day and I'll and I walk you through everything and show you it. And so then I hand you the keys. Isn't that right? And then as I walk out the door, as you close the door behind me, I think, oh, there's one more thing. I don't turn around and open the door. Now I have to knock because I've handed you the authority. I don't care if something's burning down inside. I don't know that. Are you with me? Now, of course, that's a bad example because obviously firemen will burn in there. But what I'm saying is if something's happening inside, I can't just walk in and say, hey, what's going on in you? Isn't that right? I have to knock on the door of my own house. You ask anybody whose house that is, it's mine. I got the title deed, but I have no more authority. I handed the authority to you. And so, you know, if I find out later that when I arrive there and, uh, you know, in a year's time, and then you moan and complain and say, listen, the, the toilet's broken, the hot water cylinder's burnt out, and there's this water there, the, the, the paint's off the wall, and things are breaking down. Why didn't you do anything? I, I didn't know. If the first time the toilet broke, you called me, I could fix it for you. Isn't that right? If something went wrong with the wiring, I can, if you call me, I can fix it for you. But I'm not going to come in every week and say, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay? Eventually you're going to say, excuse me? Can I live in peace? How many of you would like your landlord knocking every day to find out, is everything okay in the house? No, you want to get on with life. Isn't that right? And so the same way the Father only enters into anybody's life by invitation. He has handed the earth over. Why doesn't God do something? Because He placed it in the hands of man. There's a lease on the earth that is given to mankind. And so if anything's going to happen in this earth to fix it, it has to be a man. Not God outside. He has to come in legally into the earth. And so that's why God prophesied the seed of a woman. The only persons legally assigned by God to operate on the earth is someone born into a human body. A man. So God as God had to enter into the earth as a man to come and get back what man had lost. But the other thing is he had to come entirely as a man. He is still God. When he was born in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And that Word, God, became flesh. But he could not come in as a God because then it's still not technically correct. Legally, it had to be a man entirely as a man with facing all the same problems and temptations any other man would have faced. Jesus had to come purely as a man. Now, knowing sometimes we hear this for the first time, particularly from a, a religious mindset, we get uncomfortable with that because we think of Jesus as untouchable. You know, He's God. 
And that is true. Nothing is taken away. We need to continuously keep reminding ourselves He still is God. But He would not, He may not operate on the earth in that dispensation. Everything He did going to that cross had to be entirely as a man. Now, this is confirmed by the Scripture. I know many of us by now have got serious questions, but how you know the Bible does answer these things? Have a look at Philippians chapter 2. This is from the Amplified Bible. We learned from Dr. Dave Martin that that's uh, the woman's version. How many of you were here for him? Those that may have missed it, he said the Amplified Bible is a woman's version because it takes lots of words to explain something that a man just grunts at. (laughs) So let's get the whole explanation. Philippians 2 verse 6. This is Jesus. Say, this is Jesus. Who, although essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which makes God God, so it's established we're talking about God here. He did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. Even though he was God, he didn't need to hold on to that badge. See, his identity is not in that he's God. That's what he's saying. I, I, I don't need, you don't need to. No, (laughs) I don't need to be God to prove that I'm God. Hallelujah. Let me just say that. The Holy Spirit prompted this in my heart. Somebody said this once. A king riding on a chariot doesn't stop to answer every barking dog. If you know who you are, It doesn't matter who shouts, the king knows who he is. Hallelujah. Family, it doesn't matter what devil tells you what, what demons are shouting, you know who you are. You don't have to try. You don't have to keep telling people who you are. Just be. Just be who God called you to be. Amen. And so Jesus, even though he's God, didn't need to hold that badge, verse 7, but he stripped himself of all the privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant in that he became like men and was born a human being. He was born entirely human. What's that saying? The word used there in the original Greek is he literally emptied himself. Everything that made him God, he emptied it out of him. So his person is still God, but with none of the power or the abilities as a God, because he had to enter the earth as a human. Now, think about that. Because when he was born as a baby, he was entirely human and as needful as any other baby. 
Come on, you don't really think he was lying in the crib and talking to the angels. Now, okay, I've got to first wait for this body to grow up. But, you know, in the meantime, we'll just have to play this thing out. And then the angels, chips, here comes Mary. Because we don't want to freak her out now. <laughs> Is that what happened? He was entirely baby. Did everything babies do, puked on mom, did everything, you know, that babies do. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature. He had to find out from the Word for himself because his own mental mind was not the mind of God. He had to go to the Scriptures. Why do you think he spent so much time in the temple? That even at the age of 12, he was asking questions and he was answering and saying things because he was finding out, mom said, you're God. And really? And then he had to find out what that means. So he grew in wisdom and stature. You read the same version from the same account from the Passion Translation. Philippians chapter 2 verse seven, 6. He existed in the form of God yet gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant, and he became human. Verse 8, he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. See, he had to be tempted just the same way the first man was tempted. Otherwise, he couldn't validly stand up and say, I was tempted and yet didn't fail. You must remember, temptation is not a temptation unless it's an attraction. If, if There's certain things that just don't tempt you. You've heard me say this before, but for those that haven't heard it, I have absolutely no attraction to alcohol whatsoever. That's a personal conviction. It's grown in me and I'm not holding anybody to account for that. Each one must walk their own road and their own conviction. There is no scripture that says thou shalt not drink alcohol. But I can show many reasons from the word why it's better not to. And first of all, I want to be sober-minded at any moment to be able to deal with any situation and any form of alcohol will dampen that. And can put you in a vulnerable place where, you know, your, 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 just your own um, judgment facilities are, are, are crippled. And I want to make sure that no matter what comes my way, whether I'm, I'm on the road traveling and my wife's not with me, I don't want to be somewhere, you know, just having a little bit of fun and all of a sudden there's a temptation. I need to be ready with that shield at all times. So that, as I said, that, that, that's my personal uh, opinion, my personal conviction from the Word. If you like it, receive it. But I'm not condemning anybody on the actions. Each one's accountable for their own action. The point I'm making is that in that facility, I've, I've so trained myself that even if somebody presented me the best looking drink and some of them can really look nice, even smell nice and have little decorations on it and that, I'll look at that and I'll say, that's a great work of art, but there's no attraction. There's nothing in, nothing in me says, well, let me just taste this once. Are you with me? So there's no temptation. 
So temptation has to be something that does catch your attention. It may be something you go, whoa, no, now you got to, now you have to resist. And the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, no, I needed my next scripture. Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in how many? How many? All points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hallelujah. Without sin. He was tempted in all points, all things. Now, why is that important? Because like I said, there are certain things, but I had to develop that by faith in certain areas of my life. There are things that I know do attract me that could be a temptation. And I have to build the right firewalls for myself. That's the blood of Jesus to make sure that I'm protected. Are you with me? But like I said, there are some things that don't tempt me. I could stand here arrogantly saying, you, you're tempted by that. How's that possible? How, how could you be tempted by that? I'm never tempted by that. No, that's, that's self-righteousness because that's just somewhere that I happen to not be tempted, but you are. And so Jesus, in order to be the full payment, if there's one human that would ever be tempted in one area and the entire human race would wonder how could that one person be tempted in that one area? No one else is ever tempted there. Jesus would still have to pay for that person's sin. If they ever gave into that temptation, they would have to pay for that sin. And he's getting ready to pay for that one sin that no one else has ever done. So in order to pay for it, he has to have been tempted in that to resist it. I have dominion over all sin. So he came in such a way that he emptied himself entirely that any sin you could name did tempt Jesus. And yet stood against it. See, the sin is not in the temptation. This will set a lot of people free. I know why I keep wanting to do these things. I'm supposed to be a Christian. No, that's called temptation. That, the sin is not in the temptation. Oh, why I keep thinking these thoughts, man. I wish I could stop thinking. No, no. Take those thoughts captive because you understand there is an enemy that knows where your weak spots are. He's watched you all his life, all your life. He's watched you and he sees where you failed before. Why wouldn't he use that weapon again? That's where he knows you always failed before. And so he's going to try bringing that thing against you. But now you are being equipped so that you can resist that. But you won't resist it in your flesh because we've already proved we can't. We messed up so many times before. But thank God Jesus did face that thing and He did resist it. And the Bible says without sin, it is entirely possible to be tempted and not be sinning. And Jesus resisted every temptation 
without sinning. Hallelujah. Now, family of God, you must remember, if he did that without sin and tempted in all things, that would have included as a child. So, as a child, growing up as a teenager, he still didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. He was going on the basis of it is written. He studied the word, found out what the word said on issues, and was able to use that word so powerfully that he grew up to an age where as an adult, he still hadn't sinned, and yet you don't see any miracles in his life. No miracles yet. So what does he do? He's come to redeem man, but he has to walk as the first Adam did. And the first Adam was created in the image of God, with God's presence in him. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John tried to prevent Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill. To fulfill. So in other words, up to this point, he hadn't sinned. But if he wasn't baptized, that would be the first failure. So there was a completeness in him needing to be baptized. And so in his baptism, he's fulfilling righteousness. Say that in baptism, Jesus fulfilled righteousness. And so on that statement, John then allowed himself to baptize Jesus. Verse 16, when Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. But now, he hasn't done any ministry. He hasn't performed any miracles. He hasn't built a great church. He hasn't got anybody saved yet. He hasn't healed one person yet. And yet he says, I'm pleased. How's that possible? Why would God be so pleased in this young man? Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus had lived a perfect life of faith. He believed if God had given him the word, he could speak that word and God would do what he said.
And so he had lived this life of absolute faith. He had trusted God and God had shown himself strong and Jesus had walked in it. And now, Matthew 4, verse 1, Jesus was then led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. I guess so. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God. Family, this, this, this. Let's call him what the Bible calls tempter. <laughs> Let's stay with Scripture here before I say something. This devil, the serpent of old, has not changed his tactics in 4,000 years from when he went to the first man. Did God really say, if you are the Son of God? Why would he go with that question? Because the devil was at that baptism and he heard it just as clear as everybody else. This is my son. He'd been searching for this deliverer for centuries. He was told there's one coming in the garden and he's been watching. And when Moses popped up, he thought maybe he's the deliverer. Get Kill every baby, kill every baby. Stop the deliverer from being born. But God had a plan to get that man through. And all the way through, he tried to crush Israel, crush and destroy them, get them out of the way, stop them. There's a deliverer coming, kill, stop Israel, stop Israel, kill them, kill off the Jews, stop them. And then next moment, this man pops out and now you hear audibly from heaven, this is him. But I know how to take down men. I've been doing it for 4,000 years. And it worked on the first one. Oh, so you heard something. Are you sure you're the son of God? I heard God say it. Are you sure? Family, that's how the enemy will always approach you the first time. I know Pastor Allen said, but are you sure? I know your church teaches, but what about this video? What about this YouTube clip? Yes, I know the scripture says that, but that was years ago. Times have changed. Are you the son of God? Let's test it. Let's prove it. You're hungry? Turn that stone into bread. Then we can, we can sort that out. Right here. Turn stone into bread? Are you sure God is God? Maybe you could be like him. Eat. See, it's the same temptation. Same temptation. Now that, he could have fallen for it right there because the first man did. But remember, 
Jesus was tempted in? Yet? How did he do that? Verse 4. Jesus answered and said, I am God, you are the devil. How dare you try and even talk to me? No, he wasn't going to respond as a God. He had to respond as man. And the only access man has to God is his written word. It is written. He didn't pull out some weird heavenly weapon that you and I don't have access to. He didn't call fire from heaven. He said, it is written. Everybody try that. Say, it is written. Now you just have to know what to put in after that. But you have access to it. I said, you have the same access to it. And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Family, whatever you need is going to come from God. Whatever you have access to has already been spoken by God. Whatever the devil tries to bring against you, there's already a word in your lap that you have access to, to be able to speak. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He goes on with his temptations. For time's sake, let's go look at verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I know why you're here. You've come to get the world back. So let's settle it here. We don't have to go through the pain and the agony. Let's just, let's, let's make a deal and transfer it right here. Just once, just once fall and worship me. That'll settle it. You can have it all back. Family, one moment of compromise can cost us an eternity. The devil's not playing games. It's not taste a little bit here, try a little bit there. Because sometimes we think, oh, it's just one sip or one drag or one fun or whatever. It's a hook that the enemy can use to reel us in. One moment. That's all he needed. One moment. You know the enemy. The way he got the first Adam, he's going to sucker the second one. Just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, away with you, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him 
only will you serve. We are doing this God's way. We're doing it His way. I don't care what the cost is to me. I know I'm headed for a cross, but I'm prepared to do it because my man is too precious and I'm not losing him the same way we lost the first man. And if it costs me my blood, if it costs me my agony, if it costs me my death, I'm prepared to do it. I'm gonna do it the Father's way. Family, what you compromise to keep, you will ultimately lose. Make a decision. I don't care how much I'm lost, that I don't care how much I'm scorned and criticized. I have an eternity in mind. I'm not giving it up for a moment of pleasure. I am gonna serve God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength and all my mind. And so the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. And verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What changed? For from that moment on, we see miracles and Jesus demonstrating the kingdom the way the first Adam should have lived. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all that you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the man, not Jesus from heaven, Jesus this man who's emptied himself of all power and rights and privileges as God. God anointed that man, Jesus, how? With the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? At the baptism, when the windows of heaven opened and the Holy Spirit came upon him. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And from that moment, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Not because he was God, because God was with him. Hallelujah. Who God? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And so Jesus, when he walked on the earth, was a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. He had been enhanced. Now he could operate as the first Adam. And he demonstrated the kingdom where anything was out of line, he corrected it. If something was broken, he fixed it. If something was damaged, he repaired it. If something was missing, he filled it. If something was lacking, he made sure it was given in abundance. Whatever was necessary, he corrected whatever the enemy tried to do, to destroy, to steal, to break. He always administered that same anointing and demonstrated it was powerful enough to correct that situation. Hallelujah. An enhanced man. Come on, give Jesus praise if you get a hold of that. Now you know he had a plan in that. 
Because the only thing stopping us from walking in that is sin. So how did he deal with that? He had to eliminate it. How did he do that? You need to be here tonight. Come on, give Jesus praise. Come on, give him glory for his word. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say this, Today I've heard the Word of God. That Word brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of God's Word, I'm also a doer. And I thank God for the living Word that my Jesus, even though He's God, made a choice to enter this earth as a man, laying down all His privileges as God, all His power to demonstrate that a man could live in this earth by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He walked in full power of God with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He went about doing good, healing all, resisting sin, never sinning, able to walk free of all sin as He walked by declaring the Word of God. I have that same Word available to me and I receive that living Word. And Father, I know no matter what my situation, You've already given me a Word to address that. And I choose no matter what happens in my life, not to respond from my flesh, but just like Jesus did, it is written. The Word of God still lives and abides within my heart. I'm alive today because Jesus is risen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.